awesome date. Sometime in the future. The far-flung future, where aliens roam. And even if you can fight like a Krogan, run like a leopard, you will never be better than Commander Shepard. This is the awesome cast. What are you doing? Scanning. Hey, yo, BC, the turntable biotic. Hit him with the good stuff, dog. Hi folks and welcome back to the Awesome Cast, the podcast for everything awesome and then some and occasionally a little less. I'm Basil. I'm Kevin. And with us through the tubes of the internet all the way to New York is Alan Mendez, otherwise known as Heesui from the Reverse Thieves blog and Speakeasy podcast. And we are joining up today because sadly this is one of the few podcasts I'm really sad will no longer have Eric for because he was the really, really big Mass Effect fan in my life that wasn't me or Kevin. Or Lee, but I'm I'm pretty sure Lee hasn't played it yet. But we will be eventually diving into the craziness that is Mass Effect 3. The good, the bad, the ending, all of that. But our normal thing where we'll talk about the game sort of in much more generalities without spoilers. Then we'll break, we'll do spoilers. And it's all be fun and no one's going to cry much. But until then, we got lots of other stuff to talk about. For one thing, we have websites. The Awesome Cast. Awesomecast.com. OSM. C-A-S-T.com. We have an email. Awesomecast at gmail.com. Leave comments in the comment section. We like all of these things. I hear the Reverse Thieves have a website. Yes, it is ReverseThieves.com and it is cool. It is a detective-themed anime blog where we usually post a minimum of two times a week, as many as six, and we are mostly a cool website, although I used to joke that we were a Type Moon-themed website, but the fact that our tags right only below Detective is Type Moon so it's sort of a, yeah, you doth protest a little bit too much. Yeah, now I think I've taken it to the point where it actually is kind of secondarily a Type Moon podcast because I talk about it enough. Well, I keep Kevin nicely in line, so that never happens to us. <laughs> like he goes, well, I don't like to talk about... Ah! Well, you know, new season of Fate Zero coming up. Did you see all the April Fools? I have not seen any April Fools for it. Type Moon on their webpage had a thing for, I think, medicinal space-made Kohaku. Okay. Which is a weird kind of type mood Star Wars movie poster. And to try to find that. And the Fate Zero website had Tank Man. Tank Man. uh, Which was on Type Moon's website, I think last year, or two years ago, because last year was the Twitter feed, where it's all about how Fate Zero Rider is a military otaku who goes on 2chan to try to romance gender swap Waver Velvet. Oh, I guess kind of like Densho Toko, but he's a train, he's not, he's a tank nut, not a train nut. Okay, that's... That does okay. make sense. I'm now getting really confused, and this doesn't sound nothing like Google doing Dragon Quest with Google Maps, oh, which was ju- the best thing ever. <laughs> I just saw that. My roommate just found that. Oh, that's that's great. Also, look for the uh, Assassin's Creed by way of Connect. That one was also most excellent. I have a tendency to kind of bury my head in the sand April Fool's Day, because always something burns me. Like, <laughs> I, I walk into something that I thought was real and totally isn't. Like the European cover for Aladdin for 3DS? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Screw you ever made that. To tell somebody's embarrassing stories, Kate went to look for something on Tokyo Toshikan and saw the we've been taken down by the FBI page. And she basically ran to her boyfriend online and was like, I need to find this thing. But this site is down. Where can I find it? And he was like, you do realize what today is. And she's <laughs> like, no. That is the most accurate Kate impression I've ever heard. <laughs> and now that I've admitted that we're all doomed. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I will die the minute she hears this. But you guys at least have a few months before Otakon where she kills you there. Oh, see, see, I'm totally dodging Otakon this year because of funds and my best friend's getting married and so on spending money on that instead yeah that's kind of a big deal they're they're having a uh, renaissance festival wedding in another state and so i'm spending money on you know my, my fancy pants renaissance outfit and getting over there to the place where they're going to have it it's gonna be good times but it, it took away all my otakon monies also otakon is a trip no matter how you slice it look it's true you don't have to spend a lot of money on a fancy outfit for a renaissance wedding just say you're a guy from the future visiting it at a renaissance wedding Oh, no, 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 no. This this outfit, it's already halfway paid for. It's going to be wonderfully fancy, and it'll give me an outfit for every other Renaissance festival or anime con where I feel like being a stupid idiot who wears outfits that aren't actually at, yeah. from an anime. Yeah, statistically, this will be our second group of friends to get married at a Renaissance festival, so it's becoming a thing. We may need more. <laughs> well, we'll see. But we have had websites, we've talked about it, and Renaissance festivals, and how, good luck, we may never, no, well, you know, no one may, well, no, people will hear this. This might be the last podcast ever because Kate might kill us. Yeah. So on that note, moments of awesome. It's a moment of awesome. So on that note, that's what we do. Who wants to go first? Uh, I will talk about what I just watched tonight, which is pretty awesome and streaming legally so everybody can see it. Sweet. I just saw Space Brothers, which is based on a popular seinen manga and is now an anime and it's streaming on Crunchyroll. It is the show for people who want Planetase, but no longer can watch Planetase. It does. Okay, I can kind of see that. <laughs> oh, I have to watch this like, yeah, I, immediately. I saw, I, I saw this. It, it's like no one's gotten into space really yet, so I don't know. But it is, it's a very realistic, it's very, it's slightly in the future, but it's very much grounded in realism kind of space exploration. Well, really, it's just about two brothers. They just both want to be astronauts. But, <laughs> but I think that's just this kind of one of those genres that a lot of the older fans feel like has kind of went away. This kind of sanity and space. And I know that it was Kate for the opening song had started. Just like the first five minutes, how they tell a story and just the story they were telling and just won her over instantly. Actually, in the first few minutes before the opening credits, I'm like, wait a minute. Is this a sports anime? I thought this was a space anime. There's the other way you can do it, which is Moonlight Mile, <laughs> which is watch people doing it and then they want to go to space. Yeah. Uh, funnily but enough, no. the main character, his voice actor was Lost Man from Moonlight Mile. I, I, I saw the first episode. I liked the older brother just because he seemed a little bit perpetually down on his luck and nothing quite worked out for him. And his voice actor is also Wild Tiger. Oh, I thought he sounded familiar. So yeah, there you go. It's Wild Tiger's voice actors in there. And that's just the best thing ever. Uh, there we go. Well, you know, I needed a new space thing that was more, more realistic. I mean, I already ran out of Planetes, like, you know, around the anime, I ran out of the manga. Twin Speaker just wrapped up in America. Mm -hmm. I need a new thing that involves space. But actual space, because Bodacious Space Pirates, while good and in space, it's, you know, more super futuristic fake. 
future, super futuristic space. Yes. And not quite our level of tech or a little above space. Yeah. Although I'm, I'm surprised how much Bodacious Space Pirates has hard sci-fi elements. I'm surprised how much of that is in there. But And I am the only person who does not like that show. <laughs> well, you're probably not the only person, just both me and Basil like it. <laughs> Speaking of things that are totally not, I was going to use my spot to sort of point out to people that there is a couple of video games for the week coming out. In fact, I think by the time you listen to this, one of them will already be out, which is Xenoblade Chronicles. And the next one up after that is Last Story. These are both, well, I don't, I can't say it for sure for Last Story, although it's Mistwalker by Sakaguchi, the wonderful man who brought us Final Fantasy and Lost Odyssey, and also Blue Dragon. Eh, nothing wrong with Blue Dragon. It's just no Lost Odyssey. No, it's not. But there's nothing wrong with it. It's okay. It's decent. It's got some really good parts to it. We're getting that, but we're also getting Xenoblade, which is by Monolith Soft, who made Xeno Saga, mm-hmm. and a lot of the same people who made Xeno Gears. And it's totally not like Xenosaga. No. Except in the ways that it's like Xenosaga. Well, yeah, if you played Xenogears or Xenosaga, you will find some similar story elements. Control is much more almost Western design. It's almost MMO-ish. Yeah, it almost feels like it's what the sequel to Final Fantasy XII would have been in a lot of ways. It is a story that revolves around synthetics versus organics in a much more Japanese-style take on it than possibly something we might be discussing later on the podcast. And it has Norio Wakamoto. Which never hurts. But (laughs) the game is gargantuan. I feel that in some cases it makes Skyrim feel a little bit small. This is a Wii game, but the Vistas, this thing, outputs. It's pretty amazing. The backstory is there is this gigantic organic god and this gigantic metal god. And they fought. And they fought and fought. Eventually paled each other on their own swords and died. And that's the world you play on. You're on the bodies of two dead gods. (laughs) And so one town might be in, like, the crook between, like, you know, the elbow or the arm raised or something. Or, you know, someone else might be in the knee. And you can kind of tell that these are the actual body parts, but they actually look like lands and vast plains and stuff. And you can just see out into the distance. And just the sense of scale they they pushed in this yeah. Wii, this two-year-old Wii game is kind of amazing. It's easily one of the most visually impressive Wii games. I really highly recommend it, and I'm really looking forward to Last Story. And so if you've never really, really looked into these games, please do. I, I believe they are both going to be extremely awesome. And they still haven't said anything about Pandora's Tower, right? Eh, well, whatever uh, well, i heard that was out. the weakest of the three though yeah, yeah. i have two and I, I was i wouldn't complain if it came out i probably would even buy it but you know that's i can live without yeah, yeah me too i mean i would if they if they release it i'll buy it i will certainly give it a shot i am always up to encouraging nintendo to give me more rpgs but i really i've been really looking forward to last story and i tried out xenoblade when i had a chance and i came away extremely impressed i played all the way through the european version of xenoblade had to mod my we to do it but now i'm playing to buy the real version <laughs> so it, it is highly recommended i'm sure there'll be an awesome cast about at least xenoblade possible also a last story hell i still need to do one on lost odyssey anyways kevin it's your go oh geez we come back around to me well i don't know i did uh i've been playing a lot of tales of graces recently uh well tales of graces f properly we started out as a wii game yes although the tales of graces f is a ps3 game it's kind of like whenever a tales game goes to another system they they put more stuff into it i believe they put it in additional abilities they put in an 
extra epilogue that's apparently like 10 to 17 hours that apparently makes the story make sense. Apparently that was a weakness of the Wii version. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. I like it. It's a Tales game. It's pretty. It's got an interesting, diverse cast of characters. It does have an interesting little bit where you play most of the protagonists as children for several hours, and then they kind of grow up into teenagers, young adults in a time skip, but all the events in their childhood are actually really important to the rest of the game. That they all went to the same orphanage? No, but they all, several of the protagonists all met each other in their childhood. And, the, and that, uh, there's some events that are probably pretty damn spoilerific, even though they're just in the first couple hours, but that influence their lives greatly during the time skip before they meet back up again. And it has Pascal, who's the most wonderfully insane, mad genius girl character in any Tales game, and that includes Rita and Vesperia. <laughs> Well, I also learned that uh, even she's not as crazy as, say, Jade was in Abyss. <laughs> I swear, the more I play it, the more I really do think, and I actually mentioned this previous podcast, featuring Daryl Surratt of Any World Order and <laughs> Caleb, the friend of mine who watched Ghost Rider with me, <laughs> that Abyss and Vesperia more or less use the same story playbook. Yeah. And in many ways, it really does feel like Abyss did it better. Now I'm thinking about, I think, of Vesperia... I think after Abyss, I did Legend Dia and a couple of others. It didn't do nearly as well. I remember Legend Dia, then Vesperia, but maybe I missed. Or I guess there was a sequel to Symphonia on Wii. We, we did. We, yeah, we didn't get it as we didn't get all of them. We missed like, a couple that didn't come to the U.S. Like there's the DS one, and I yeah, don't know. And a lot of them didn't do well. Yeah. Like in Japan, and I have a feeling they decided they went back to what was the last one that did really well, mm-hmm. Abyss. Okay, let's take what we did on that one. Let's do it. Put it on 360 and make it pretty. And, and they did. That's how we got Vesperia, and I'm hoping that Graces is isn't more abyss but the way you've already described it doesn't sound like it it's different it's okay does it have a commandant does it have a command well there's the cool is there someone who's called a commandant yes or no i've not seen the term specifically no awesome although i could have maybe just not remembered it that's i don't want to hear anymore yeah we're it, good we're you good. know oh I, I have one complaint about the game and it's not really anything to do with the gameplay is the ridiculously expensive dlc that's basically just costumes that they don't really make clear if you can get them in the game or not if it's anything like Vesperia, you can. But that aside, that's totally optional. It doesn't really... Well, you do get some minor stat bonuses from the titles because the way you get skills in the game is by equipping titles. It's not like, oh, the only way to get this one party member is to get DLC or... Not yet. Not like Hyperdimension Neptunia, which I do love, but I hate their having to buy characters feature. Ah, but I think Alan was referring to something else entirely. Well, yes. Oh, well, you're probably referring to... Actually, what brought it into my head was people talking about Street Fighter and Street, yeah. Fi- and Street Fighter vs. Capcom. But it also does lead well into... To Mass Effect 3. (laughs) So, Shepard, now we will get our discussions of Mass Effect 3. Yeah. 
pillars of a sorry grace. There are battle womitarians lacking in humility. Jurians are bragging about the reach of flexibility. The clutter of the city spreads to the lowliest stars. But no matter what scars you bear, whatever uniform you wear, you can fight like a Krogan, run like a leopard, but you'll never be better than Commander Shepard. So there might be this game series you may have heard of called Mass Effect by this no-name company called BioWare, published by this even more unknown name called Electronic Arts. And it was just a game that happened to be in, like, Forbes and the Wall Street Journal and, like, every other major publication when it came out at least ran an article on it. Oh, yes. But now you're getting the definitive take on Mass Effect 3, which is, of course, the awesome cast, which is always the definitive word on everything we talk about ever. Yeah. Except sometimes I'll reprise my thoughts on other podcasts like the amazing manga and anime combination known as Kakaishi, which you can get the redefinitive word on the Speakeasy podcast. <laughs> But no, Mass Effect 3. It is the third game in a trilogy from Bioware. We have talked about Mass Effects 1 and 2 on this podcast. It is a wonderful video game series. My second favorite 
this gen new IP. Hmm. My first favorite is, Ma- is Assassin's Creed. Okay, yeah, I can see that. But right behind it, even now, is still Mass Effect. And the third game is a culmination of many things. Yeah, I, probably, I think I probably like Mass Effect. Even after, even after three, I'd probably like Mass Effect better than Assassin's Creed. But those would probably be my top two also. It's kind of funny when I stop to think about that. Uh. Quick tangent. Had any of you guys played the older Bioware games like... Uh... KOTOR. Most of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've played the Nice Old Republic, a little bit of Baldur's Gate, although that was actually in recent years. The only Bioware games I've not tried were the Old Republic games. I have done Baldur's Gate. I did all the, the some of the other Black Isle stuff, mm-hmm. like Icewind Dale. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I did um, both Neverwinter Nights games. I've played the Old Republic, the MMO, but I've, the only thing I have not... I did uh, Jade Empire. Ah. Yeah. The only thing I have not played is KOTOR, because at the time, I did not own a computer that can run it or an Xbox. And even Jade Empire, I just happened to be borrowing an Xbox at the time when it came out. Yeah. My case, I just I haven't played Knights of the Old Republic, the new MMO. I've not played that. But I think I've played just about everything else Bioware has made. Now, yeah. But no, no, I am very much a Bioware fan. Because no, I played Knights of the Old Republic, and I played Jade Empire, and then everybody was like, hey, you can skip KOTOR 2. That's probably true, so they mostly outsourced that one. <laughs> well, that's that's a weird one, is that I have a feeling that a lot of people, except for the ending, think of that, um, I hear it's a very good game. I, I, yeah, I actually agree with that. Um, but from what I understand, they literally, before they had a chance to finish the ending themselves, they were like, yeah, ship this. Yeah, that's kind of a problem with that one. But, yeah, the ride's good. And Well, actually, that's kind of how I feel about Mass Effect 3, is the ride to the ending was really good. But uh... <laughs> And I, I think that's... That's really the trick of Mass Effect 3 is that, like I said, it's a culmination of a lot of things. You know, the Reapers are finally making their attack. And by the way, I expect that if you're listening to this, you've you've played or at least listened to our podcasts about Mass Effects 1 and 2 I in their entirety. So. And so while I will not spoil Mass Effect 3, I will be spoiling 1 and 2. Yeah. I can't even imagine what if you were a person who never played Mass Effect 1 or 2 and you picked up Mass Effect 3 in the store. I cannot imagine what you were thinking when you started playing that. That must make no damn sense whatsoever. Supposedly, supposedly, Bioware says where it's up and down that if you've never played Mass Effect, 3 is an excellent start time to start playing. That is bullshit. I'd say go find Mass Effect 2. It's cheap at the very least. Go find Mass Effect 2 at the very least. It's pretty cheap. So is Mass Effect 1 for that matter. But uh, if you want the complete experience without playing Mass Effect 1, go ahead and buy Mass Effect 2 on PS3. Yeah. Which gives you the audio comic book thingy that gets you at least the story of Mass Effect 1. Yeah, and it lets you kind of set your the variable flags. And heck, to be honest, it lets you kind of set the variable flags however you want before you start 2, which is kind of nice. But... But even then, I feel like you miss out on a bunch of just, it's all the little choices that make such a big deal. Like, you're right. Because, like, I I won't spoil too much, but did you meet Connor Vernrad in Mass Effect 3? That's that's the sidekick guy, right? The guy yeah. That, or they're, they're equivalent of fanboy. Yeah. yeah. For Freezoid, but in, in Mass Effect terms. I did not meet him because he was actually one of the few people I somehow missed. I got him in one, but I somehow missed him in two. If you meet him in three, you can get into this conversation tree that checks things from each game if you've done certain things at each game and basically changes his conversation and what he gives you based on like a whole slew of factors from the whole game. 
yeah, yeah. Like the, the thing with three is that three very much takes everything you did in one and two. And one of the things that people kind of, I guess no one ever quite realized it. I kind of did, but it's very much sort of a video game equivalent of a really grand choose your own adventure. <laughs> like yeah. the, the opening is going to be the same and the ending is going to be the same more or less. But it's how you get there is what makes it interesting. Yeah, just even playing three, I had many moments where I thought, well, what if I had done this instead? Or what if this character wasn't alive at this point? <laughs> and you get a lot of options, and it all really depends on what you did in one and two. Because there's a very real possibility you probably would reset and keep this from happening. But there's a possibility you could come into three with several of the characters you meet and interact with totally dead. <laughs> and there's also different checkpoints that like that they, they, they tick off. Like, you might say, you may save one character in from two, but you didn't complete their loyalty mission. That might affect their and ultimate fate in three. That will affect <laughs> things. Like, I discovered that I felt really bad for one character because what I did in two, they talked to someone else, then discovered that that was just because how I played it in two. Yeah. And I was very surprised to see that level of granularity in the actual contents of the game. Yeah, some of it is smoke and mirrors, but they give you these repercussions that make your choose-your-own-adventure choices throughout the game really feel impactful. Yeah, and it really feels like this is the story that I had input on. I had, you know, I really can't say that it helped craft, but that, that this is very much the the story that I that has sort of been customized for my enjoyment. It's, it's hitting all the all the notes for me because these are direct thing things happen because of the choices I made. And it does, especially throughout the throughout three, the entirety of three, it constantly does that. And a lot of it is because they do the thing where you know you get to meet everybody all over again. You know, throughout three, where they it's like their choice of well, we could use a new character or we can use an old character. And chances are they'll go with the old character because that means they can use all this stuff. And I've heard complaints or things pro for and against, but I really think it's one of those things where, if you think about it, Shepard has always been a big, important person in the Mass Effect world. And that Shepard has always had major repercussions on what happens in this world, as well as the people that he or she affects in, in a massive scale. Ooh, <laughs> how about that? Um and so it would stand to reason that now that everything has hit the fan and it's now a do or die, that a lot of these people are in important positions, are in these positions thanks to Shepard because Shepard changes the world every time she or he does something. Yeah, and you run into most of your old companions in prominent positions. Or at least important ones. This is a they are running from people who are in important positions because of things that you had them do. Yeah. Well, it's true. And some of them don't want to be in important positions, but they're stuck there anyways. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I basically went Paragon. I've been Paragon for the most part. And still, like, what, taking what was the moral high ground choice often had consequences I was not entirely happy with <laughs> in this game. Unlike mo the first two that tended to work out for you. <laughs> Now, I also did mostly Paragon. What did you do, Alan? Uh, I played a mostly Paragon path. My roommate played a Renegade path. So uh, my roommate, it's his game. So I got to see his playthrough first. And then I played my playthrough. I do have to say, we both agreed that overall, there were a lot less like totally dick things from compared <laughs> to uh, when picking the Renegade path from one and two. 
I mean, the, I think the Bioware games definitely with Mass Effect have a lot less, you know, either save the old lady or shoot her in the head and rob her kind of ethical decisions. But I think they made a lot of the renegade decisions, the dialogue, a little more relatable in this one. Well, it's always been more like, do you handle it like Picard or do you handle it like Kirk? <laughs> Not so much good or evil. <laughs> well, yeah, once Kirk got up there in ages, yeah, he couldn't be quite the best he used to be. I don't know if that, no, that's not true. <laughs> you know, he never really stopped being Kirk. Anyways. Well, you know, do you talk to it or you talk your way out or do you shoot your way out? It's often what it comes kind of is your approach. Now, there was one instance that I felt that the renegade option should also be the paragon option. It was my equivalent of the Krogan headbutt in two, which I feel was the paragon and renegade thing was to headbutt the Krogan. <laughs> You know, both, it should have been Pentagon, Renegade or Paragon. It should have been one or the other. It should have been both. And there is a scene where, you talk, where you're dealing with this one dude who came out from the Matrix. <laughs> and your final, it's, it's one of the final moments. And there's a Renegade prompt. And really what should have happened was on one side should have been Renegade and one side should have been Paragon. And it should have worked as long as you touched a button. I think like, I know what you're key. talking about. You probably do. <laughs> you probably do. It should have just got slightly differently whether you pick Paragon or Renegade. Yeah, but like it's one of those cases where I feel that it should be only slightly different. And you should, as long as you press the button, you got something that made that one moment, that entire character's purpose fulfilled yes. in my life. <laughs> it was nothing could go wrong after that day, and then it ended. Anyways, <laughs> I'm saying anyways a lot this time. Anyway. But Mass Effect 3, it was, I feel it is a great ride. Yeah. And a lot of really neat things happen. A lot of the big things that you're wondering, are they going to finish up these plot threads? I feel throughout the course of the game, you get a lot of it. The Genophage, you get that. Geth versus Florians, you get that. Hell, Krogans versus Turians, you get that. Or versus Salarians, you get that. Yes. There's just so many different things, and you're going to wonder, well, what happened to these characters? What have they been doing? You, you get that. Heck, you even get to find out what Jacob's been doing. You know, Bioware obviously cares more about Jacob than anybody else I yeah, know. Yeah, it's like, oh, Jacob's in this game. Yay. <laughs> you're like, who, who, who are you again? Who are you? Jacob. You're that, you're that you... guy I didn't sleep with. Yeah, I remember you. <laughs> Man, why did you pick Jacob when you could have Garrus? I know, I mean, really. I mean, really. <laughs> No, no, no. Shepard and Liara, OTP. <laughs> yeah, that was how I played it. Even Thane, you're like, well, if I only had a choice between Thane and Jacob, definitely Thane. Oh, Thane and Garrus, that's a hard choice. <laughs> no, Thane was cool. Thane was what if you uh, took Solid Snake and Altair from Assassin's Creed. And made him a lizard man. Made him a lizard, <laughs> not a lizard man, but you know, sort of reptilian, sort of just cool, like, you know, alien badass. Oh, yeah, he's vaguely reptilian. He still kind of got enough human look to him to believe that yeah you a human might hook up with him yeah but and we're gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pull up the dlc thing now because guys if you did not get javik you have made a mistake javik the last prothean it's right there in the dlc description he is the best new character in this freaking game yeah well i actually got the collector's edition and it came with it but <laughs> were you able to play with javik yeah yeah, yeah. javik the space racist yeah, yes. uh, yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> he, he's great, and he you get is, that cool particle beam rifle. <laughs> like he is, he is so the best best character that you get new in that game. He totally became my like my mainstay. You know, just to everyone going like, "Oh, you're a Prothean, and I'm a dick." <laughs> <laughs> 
and it's just it's just great it's it's everyone's like you know and it well, totally subverts that whole thing where everyone's like oh man everyone in the past are always these wise and great guys and he's like no oh the great wise and awesome protheans who knew everything and were so wise and uplifted so many races and gave them so much cool stuff and they're total dicks with an empire <laughs> we uplifted you so you could serve us better in our empire of semi-evil. <laughs> well, you have to wonder, before the Reapers came back, what were they like? Yeah. But it sounded like they're basically space Romans conquering the galaxy. But, uh... Well, even his outfit kind of looks kind of Romanesque, or, but in an alien way. Well, he's Ian fucked... Fiesta- he was supposed to have samurai-like armor, actually. And sort of see oh, that. Oh, I can see that. But regardless, he sounds kind of Jamaican. Yeah. <laughs> He's Jamaican, space, Roman, imperial, J- Japanese. <laughs> and much, I'm okay with that. As much as I liked her character, I did like that Javik's whole mission in life seemed to be like, Hey, Liara, here are your dreams. Here is me snapping them right in front of you and then throwing them in your face. And then laughing and possibly insulting your whole culture while I do it. Oh, hey, let me pick those up. Let me snap them again in front of you. Oh, did you know that I can feel things when I touch them? Yes, I'm feeling your despair break as I snap it a third time. Isn't that delightful? Want to write a book? Yeah. <laughs> Let's write a book about how terrible my people were in comparison to what you thought they were. It, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be nice? Solarians. Uh-oh. They used to lick their eyeballs. I remember when they ate flies. <laughs> you know, it was ah, oh, he, he's such a he's almost he's frankly a, a breath of fresh air <laughs> throughout the whole thing. Where everyone's like, "You're a prothead? Yep. Really? No, I'm lying. Yes. <laughs> What's your problem? Never seen a prothead before." And he would have been good on Battlestar Galactica because he wanted to throw everybody out of the airlock. Yeah, yeah, yeah he totally. Kinda, he kind of made up for Legion not really being a controllable character. <laughs> he he made up for a lot of, like, I guess I got kind of spoiled from 2 because there were twice as many crew members Yeah, in 2 and that suddenly I wanted more aliens. Yeah. Like, I really wanted more aliens to be my crew. I mean, and, and once I really think, think and thought about it, you know, it makes sense that your shepherd's a human and you're on earth when this happens so of course you're getting another human crew member and you're getting one of your original crew members back who was also human so that's three out of this and in the other other technically it's six or seven with javik you know the other three are going to be the aliens and then javik's another alien but after two and getting a krogan and a solarian and the race that thane is and also a quarian and a terry like i really was like man I need more aliens. Yeah, but you have Garrus and Tally. They're constants. <laughs> and so just getting Javik, you know, was sort of made up for a lot of, I want an alien. Mm-hmm. And he was thing. a new, he was a new, wasn't really a new species, but as far as we were concerned, he was new. We, we hadn't heard the Protheans' point of view, really, you know. And so he was kind of a new character. And he was inter- he was a new, interesting alien character. Um, just quick question. Do, you, do either of you think that there will be another DLC character? It seems like there would be just going by two, but who knows? I I would be okay. I don't know if they will. It's DLC is so weird for me with this series because I've beaten it. Mm. And that's technically the end of the story. And so, whereas 2, when I played the DLC right, it was fun because everything I was playing in 2, even with the DLC, was in preparation for 3. And it kind of feels like there's no 4 to be in preparation for. And so what I'm going to get is a lot of either doing more clarifications to the ending or it's more stuff that would happen during three. And it only would really make sense if I'm doing it through a a whole new playthrough of three. Just because I feel like most of the rooms on the ship were taken, but the life support room always stayed empty. 
that always stayed empty, and then also the area that below the in- engine room. Where Jack used to stay. Where Jack used to stay. Yeah. And there is one time where, for whatever reason, Javik's hanging out there. Yeah. During one in-between set of missions. And of course, that is, the characters on the ship actually move around the ship sometimes this time, which is interesting. You'll sometimes find them in odd places. Oh, well, I actually like that a lot. Like, I think they yeah. did a really good job of mixing up talking to them as far as learning information from them, but then also just having hearing them, A, have random conversations with you, and B, just having random conversations with each other. It really, yeah. I thought, brought a whole much more life to the it, crew. It is worth it to check your map and see if any of your crew people are hanging out in the non-combat area you're in. <laughs> or also, like, whenever you're on the Citadel, which yeah. they really oh, yeah. made crew, good use of again on yeah, the Citadel. Your crew actually gets off and wanders around the Citadel. You can go, they'll, you'll find them in different places. That's kind of cool. And if they're not in the same place you last saw them in, they probably have new things to say. <laughs> Yeah, I thought they did a really good job of just bringing Mass Effect 3 just in general to lot more to life. It generally, they've been really good about this, but I noticed a lot in Mass Effect 3, there was a lot of, like, well, I do in most of the Mass Effects, there's a lot of good background dialogue of the various people you walk by, and like the Citadel, for example. There's, like, people, and, the, you know, you'll wander back by them, and they'll be saying, they'll basically be continuing the conversation, and there's little stories going on there that are kind of fun to listen to. And impactful based on stuff you heard previously in the games. Yeah. Which, I'll, I'll bring one of those up during the spoiler sections, but one, I was actually reading online on Talking Time where they pointed this out. And I'm like, wait, really? That was what they're talking about? Wow. Um, but yeah. Any more story bits before we go into like the combat and stuff? Oh, uh, I just think that the cool thing about them talking to each other is, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of people I know, not me myself, but a lot of people tend to only have two or three characters they put in their party when they go on missions. And that right. is usually the only way to see a lot of characters interact with each other. But since they now hang out on the ship, you have a better idea of how certain characters deal with each other. It's true. That is that is very true. And even then, like, I would always, while well, Javik was always in my party, always. Mostly because it was it was a wonderful shock value. People were like, what's that? A Prothean? What? <laughs> you know, but it was, you know, but sometimes it usually are. Sometimes you use Gary, sometimes you use somebody else. But I, like, barely ever used Tega. <laughs> I barely touched the guy. But um, it was neat watching him interact with other people, yeah. as well as him constantly losing at cards, you know, yeah. on the Citadel. Like, yeah, as weird. man, my roommate called it the endless poker game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Vega. He looked like he should be on Jersey Shore, but he turned out to be strangely charming. Although I never used him at my party. <laughs> but yeah, like it's, uh, it's good stuff. And, uh, and of course the gameplay systems have been, I've I, overall, I feel, you know, this is a, this is a best combination of two and one. Like they yes. said it would be. Like, I feel they totally was, you know, except for some sticking points, mostly with it sticking to random things. Mm. I, I feel combat yeah. was greatly improved. Oh, yeah. Thumbs up just for making melee combat viable. And fun, man. When you get freaking, like, yeah. totally, like, I mean, when you grab those freaking husks and you step on them and squish, yeah. squish, squish. Oh, I, I like, I don't know. Oh, Vanguard actually kind of works again. And shotguns work. Not as actual shotguns, but as bludgeoning things to death. <laughs> they work great. <laughs> I, I, my roommate, when... Actually, when he played Vanguard in 3, he went back and he was pretty good at Vanguard in 2 then. But Vanguard in 3 is just like a whirlwind of death and destruction and killing. I was starting a little bit of a second playthrough as Vanguard. And I'm like, wow, I, I'm hardly using bullets. I'm just 
ramming and punching things. It's great. Yeah, my only problem is occasionally you'll you'll stick to cover weirdly, and getting to ladders is kind of annoying still. Sometimes, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I also did like that a lot of times they, they sort of pull some tricks from Uncharted when you're running around stuff, and so suddenly you'll, you'll, you'll crash and fall through stuff out of nowhere, and it'll just happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's much more cinematic than, you know, Mass Effect Spin 4, which I know they're probably leaning towards and trying to get there, but they really started getting there in 3, and it was re- nice to see. And I like how they give you just enough, you know, variations on how you level up your guys. You know, it's it's not quite the crazy fill in your character sheet of one, but way more than just the you fill it. You're just moving the slide along in two. Yeah, you actually do some customizations. Weapons are really customizable now, as well as armor. Yeah, <laughs> but they are not the vendor trash bonanza that was number one. Yeah, one yeah. had some inventory control issues. Like, well, I I think what they did a really good job of. Going, you know, you never ever have to get anything bad. Yeah. You know, even if you get a new item, it all it does is it improves. Like you have you have mods, you have weapons now, and each weapon can get two different modifications to it that'll change its stats and how it interacts with the environment as far as weapon damage or scopes or better clips that you can st- stuff more stuff like into or to boost your melee combat. And there's like five or six for each item for each each kind of weapon. And as you go through the game, whether it's through shops or you just find it in the environment at various levels, you you go you walk through. It just upgrades the existing thing. So yeah. if you find like a extra knife to put against onto your rifle, if you find another one later, it just levels that one up so it's better. So you're you're never finding trash at all because everything is useful. And the what armor which I liked from two is you more or less can mix and match however you want your armor to be, unless you want like a full set. In which case, you just buy the full set. Which I think only show up if you got them in two. But <laughs> Probably. Like, any, pretty much any of the extra stuff you got as part of DLC in two makes an appearance in three somewhere. And the cool thing is, if you miss it on a map, there will be a store that you can buy it later on in. It's true. The only thing that will not come back up is the stuff in Javik's Quest. Ah, like that apparently is the only thing that you cannot buy in the, oh, you missed it? Well, here, you can buy it for really cheap. That way you can still get the story stuff you need from it. Because there is a lot of people out there. Uh, one of the yeah. things to raise your, your readiness score to see how well you'll do in the end is there's all these people who are looking for things on the Citadel. And as you're going through either through levels or if you're stuffed through scanning, which is either better or worse depending on how you look at it from two. Uh, it actually helps raise your readiness score in yeah. different ways. And what's interesting about the readiness score is that I feel it's almost a bit wasted potential with the readiness thing because you can actually go into the readiness stuff and read about what you've changed, what's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And there are stuff that you ch- make choices of in the game that will affect things later on as you do stuff. For example, there is a character that you can either recruit or not recruit And depending on the character that you get to pick is determined on what you did in the previous games. And if you pick, if you did the right things in the previous games, it just helps you. But if you chose the wrong things in the previous games and then still choose to recruit this character halfway through the game, suddenly your readiness score will drop because the character betrays you. In fact, there are a lot of more decisions that you don't know the full ramification of what they did till, like, later on. Like, there are a lot of times when you can intercede on people's arguments... And you won't know for at least another 10, 15 minutes till you get back to your ship. Like, did that increase my readiness, decrease it, not do anything, Set just set something else up? 
So there's no immediate save just before a decision, make it, and then instantly find out if it was the right one or the wrong one, and then just load back and do it again. You kind of have to live with, you know, your choices a lot of the time. Yeah, and I'm really sad that they didn't really make that more prominent. That's one of my, my complaints about the game is I really feel like I, I would have loved to have seen things like maybe hearing people in your ship talk about it. Things that happened, like one of the things I liked in two, I think also made in one, where, where as you'd go by around places, you would hear like the news going by from like Galactic Council News or whatever, and you would get to hear about events happening. I would have loved to have seen that in, in three, where you could hear like crew members mentioning things that you may have had decisions on and those effects and more than just reading it in the readiness room. Yeah, yeah, I could have seen that. Although, I don't know, it almost makes sense, at least not hearing the news broadcast, because news is kind of fragmented. It's hard to get accurate information because of the Reaper invasion. and Yes, such, but, but you could get Jessica Chobot to tell you the, the, all the news personally if you wanted. Probably. <laughs> yeah, if you if you so choose, you can have the news from straight from IGN's mouth <laughs> that isn't looking at PSP at the time. That's another problem Mass Effect has. Not enough of the news characters licking PSPs. I am obviously unaware of that reference. but <laughs> um, I can live without that. Just so you know, Jessica Chobet, she is a, she is a uh, entertainment personality for IGN, and she was got popular because she looked at PSP once. Oh, okay, and she's the model for that one reporter. And she's girl. the model for the reporter girl. I knew that much, but okay. But another thing, did either of you play multiplayer? I I've, did. Surprisingly, I did, and I generally hate online multiplayer of any kind. I feel this is one of the best versions of horror mode out there. I just, I enjoyed it. I'm just glad it's cooperative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they realized there's no way that they could honestly give you actual massive play gameplay with the actual classes and powers and then balance that at all for multiplayer uh, competitively. And so instead, they were like, you know what? People like Horde Mode, people like Zombies Mode and Call of Duty. Let's do a variation on that where you can pick a character, pick a class, pick a race, level the character up, get powers and throw monsters at you. And it works. It is so much yeah. fun. Yeah, I played it enough to get up my readiness percentage, and then I played it a little more because I was having fun. I think everybody's big complaint is the one flaw of multiplayer is how you get new items, which is basically the collectible card game. It's kind of luck of the draw. I, I cannot complain because I'm a victim. <laughs> I totally played into that. What it is, is that in order, you, you, as you play through the game, not only are you leveling up your character, but you're also earning credits. And you can spend credits on pretty much you buy CCG booster packs, which are commons, uncommons, rares, which gives you extra weapons, it gives you new weapons, gives you new character experience points, and other items that you can use, like one-time use items that you can use to outfit your character. Now, the trick is, is that you can just use the credits you get from winning matches, or you can spend Bioware points, i.e. real money. Or if you're playing the PS3 version, just flat out real money. Probably something similar for Xbox. Well, you just use Microsoft points. Yeah. It's Microsoft points on Xbox. If you're playing on PC, aka Origin, you're, you're doing Bioware points. And I guess on PSN, you're just doing money values. Yeah. But it's like a dollar, two dollars per thing, which makes it really easily impulse yeah, I, disposable. I, 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 uh, I have one point yeah especially right on i kind of went okay i'll drop a couple bucks on this and i bought a couple booster packs i totally dropped 10 bucks until i got my solarian infiltrator <laughs> i actually got really lucky and got the uh, one of the quarians on like my first draw that was that was pretty cool uh and so no i was totally i played right into their schemes yeah and i feel dirty but i don't care 
I've never got much luck in getting weapons out of the draws, which is the only annoying part. I still have I got- to get Quarian Engineer, which I played in the demo, and I thought it was really cool, but it's one of the classes I have not unlocked. I do find it neat that, you know, the different races with the different classes, you know, each race gets their own little unique thing that, they, that they're good at, that they get a little skill, alternate power that they get. So, whereas if I'm a human infiltrator, I get cryoblast. Whereas if I'm like a solarian, I get like a get, get, ugh, get the grenade. And I think Quora gets something else. And so everyone gets their own little variation. Yeah, to the theme. I like the Asari biotic class gets like stasis instead of singularity. Yeah, little things. Although they have a cool all around explosion melee attack. <laughs> And they, you know, they divvy up the different challenges between the various maps. And everything ties in single player. Like, all the levels you go through in multiplayer are things that Shepard and her crew, her, his crew, I played as correct Shepard, a.k.a. female Shepard. Yeah, ditto. Uh, <laughs> but they they clear out those spots and that, you know, then Hackett, the admiral who's in charge of all the forces, are sending in teams to hold the areas and make sure that it doesn't get complete takeover by enemies. And you're playing those guys. And you can technically, once you get your characters to level 20, you can send them off. You loot everything, drops everybody else back to one, but you send them off. They become war assets it for kinda, the single player game. It kind of reminded me of sending characters to uh, Valhalla in uh, Valkyrie Profile. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Yeah, like, and so it's sort of this little, you know, you know, end, end game feedback loop with the mm-hmm. multiplayer, which is kind of kind of like, like Assassin's Creed did it with their multiplayer, where it's actually Templar training. That you know, this is how they actually train their Templars, whereas this is how actually how these spots that you win in the single player game, how the how your the good guys keep them from the enemies. It's pretty uh, neat. It's it's fun. I think that is the the thing. Like it's nice to just sit down and play a match or two. Although I will tell everybody now, this is in the spoiler section. This is everybody should know this. Dear, you know, bleep bleeps who play this game, the points that you get for a full extraction are worth more than the piddly points you will get for grandstanding outside the uh, extraction zone when you're being removed from a map. So for the last 30 seconds, get your bum back to the extraction zone. 100% 100% agree. Amen. I was really fortunate for the vast majority of the multiplayer I played. It was actually during one night where it was myself, Botoggle from Conley Drop, Clarissa for AWO, and Max, who was one of their friends from Florida. And so it was the four of us playing for a few hours. A lot of fun if you can get people you know playing with you. And it was it was good times. But even then, a lot of the people I played with just, you know, in pickup groups were at least nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's just, it is like my one pet peeve. And then people feel like, oh, I got to get into extra 200 points by killing people outside the extraction zone. And then they just waste all their time out there and you don't get a full extraction. And it's so many more points to get a full extraction. It's true. Like the full extraction points are horrendously crazy. Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's like that's like a guarantee level up right there. Like even on bronze, almost sometimes. Yeah. Like ah, uh, the last couple minutes of extraction were usually like the biggest nastiest things from whatever enemy you're fighting are coming at you. That's uh, yeah, why you want to be mass. all together. Yes, and taking them on, not have Joe Random Vanguard out there trying to get yeah. you know, two hundred extra points by killing some cannibal. Yeah, a lot of times that's like, well, I got an extra rocket. Let's use it. <laughs> yeah, that atlas ain't so tough. Okay, a little spoilery for the scene where you get to control an atlas was awesome. <laughs> oh, there could be more than one if you know how to do it. <laughs> well, we'll get to that later then. Okay, anything else before we go into full-on spoiler territory? Uh, I think that no matter 
of what we say in the next part, I enjoyed the experience. I thought that yeah. 95% of the game was thumbs up for me, and I'm not going to let flaws in other parts kind of ruin that ride that I had. Yeah, I enjoyed it greatly. I am started up a second playthrough just recently. I will probably play that on and off. Well, I, I don't know how many times I played through two, a bunch. I'll probably play one. I played through a bunch. I can't think of many games I've played complete playthroughs quite as many times in the Mass Effect series, like RPG links games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I, I'm right there with like 95% of this game I feel is amazing. And it is very much the three that I was wanting to play. It was, it's awesome. It's great. I fully recommend it without reservations, even with reservations. Everyone should play this game. And on that note, we're going to take a break. And then No Holds Bar Spoiler Fest Assuming spoiler control.
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Guys, from Oh, well, where in. was that guy? <laughs> yeah, real. That, spoilers. Where the hell's Harbinger? Uh, <laughs> well, he was the dude who blasted you, but more importantly, that bitch Kyle Lang. <laughs> and that moment where I got to punch through his punk-ass sword before taking that asshole down. I'm curious what happens if you don't take the renegade You just dodge it. Oh, well, screw that. Uh, this is for Crane, saying Krios, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I, I stand by my renegade action. <laughs> but, uh, and what, but Also, one of the things that we didn't mention in the last one thing about that, you can choose P- Paragon or Renegade stuff, and a lot of times it just ups your reputation, so you can pick both things. They also overall count for you, and that way you don't have to, like, things like in two, where if you chose a couple of Renegade things, you could screw yourself out of Paragon options. Yeah. It doesn't happen in three. I mean, but. super Renegade things tend to get you Renegade, but yeah, there are a lot of decisions that just give you rap. Right, and so I, that was a really good idea. And a lot of times it's things, like, that are just the decisions that you make. And when you can talk uh, the Lisa Man into serening uh, <laughs> or ventilating himself, yeah. as it were, it's all in you taking the right dialogue choices. That whether your overall Paragon or overall Renegade, it's the decision, the, the Paragon choices that you get to make, and that's what's that what causes him to ventilate himself or not. Oh, and I, quick thing though, before we get into the more spoilers, my roommate did remind me the one bad thing also about multiplayer. It is kind of buggy, especially if you play Vanguard and you can play the infinitely falling Vanguard. <laughs> That is true. That is true. Multiplayer can have some. Well, no game's perfect. Oh, but I no. guess after after Skyrim, I've learned to tolerate bugs. Yeah, I think I only like playing multiplayer. I think I only had like a totally just bug out to the point where like the whole thing crashed on me like twice. <laughs> I did have one guy, I don't think he was cheating, but his Krogan was stuck in one frame of animation. <laughs> and it was just running around doing stuff. But it was just like regular like firefight stuff. It wasn't like crazy hacks of, you know, ill repute. He was just running around, but it was just a single frame of his this model stuck in one spot. I did once have one time when I couldn't move away from the spaceship in that one, the one with the, the spaceships on the landing pad. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, 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 and like the ice base. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah Jacob Land. Jacob Land. Yeah, I couldn't get away from the spaceship in Jacob Land. Oh, nobody likes Jacob. Uh, Man, I, I was so sad when Zaid died for me. Like, that's what I mentioned it like, where I was doing his quest. Oh, yeah. And then and suddenly, like, he, he's dying. I'm like, what? no, Zaid, why are you dying? And discover that if you had done his, if I had actually done his little mention correctly, he wouldn't have died. Oh, okay, I was going to say, I never had Zaid die on that, me. That's a <laughs> Well, it's also like, like, Kasumi through her thing. Like, if mm-hmm. you don't do her, if you don't complete her, her missions correctly, her mission correctly, you can have her, but she'll die. Oh. Like, she won't come back. Like Okay, well, I the, got the, the her. The yeah, scene yeah. where she comes back from invisibility. Yeah. Oh, like, she'll, have, she'll really have been dead. She'll okay. really have been dead. Okay, because I knew some of the stuff, like, Grunt living or dying where you did his loyalty mission. Miranda, so, right. you could get Miranda killed a lot of different ways. Yeah, I hear if you romanced her and then, like, broke up, break up with her early on, she dies pretty quick. <laughs> um, what actually got me was that I didn't realize I could have ran into Kelly Chambers. Oh, I ran into Kelly and got her killed. But uh, <laughs> um, I didn't run at all and she got killed and... And someone just mentioning, like, yeah, some Kelly chick died. And I'm like, what? Yeoman sex, buddy. No. Uh, My roommate got her to commit suicide. Ow. I don't say that lightly on the awesome cast. <laughs> so, oh, that's almost as bad as if you get Tally to kill herself. Oh, oh, yeah, I heard about that. I, yeah, I somehow just stumbled into the way to get the Quarians and Geth to be friends. So, well, the trick is is that occasionally when you have to make big decisions, if your reputation is high enough, you will see your red and blue choices on the on the other side. Mm-hmm. And if you choose one of those, that's sort of like you get both. Like if you focused on one side or the other, and you've overall got enough rep and enough Paragon or Renegade, you 
you can more or less either convince them to work together or yell at them to work together. Well, you you if you destroyed the heretics, that gives you a big boost in uh, three. And once again, you if you did everything with Holly and Legion, uh, you know, if you weren't like, eh, side quest for losers. <laughs> That's true. And I'm also amazed, and I guess we could have brought this up earlier, but just how much the DLC for two is important to three. Yeah. Like, you know, the things, you know, what I'm say, Project Overlord had a couple different things that changed how things could yeah. happen in three. Some of the Overlord stuff made it in, some of the Shadow Broker references. Uh, man, how, I don't know how someone can go from two, not play Shadow Broker, and then go in three, how they're going to how they're gonna react. When suddenly out of nowhere, Liara, Liara is the Shadow Broker. Just, I don't know. Liara is the Shadow Broker. You probably should have known that. <laughs> I don't know. You know, or the or the arrival, or the there, arrival, which yeah. literally sets up three. Yeah, I'm not. I wonder if that's just not mentioned, or I have no idea. Oh no! If you don't do Shadow Broker, Liara takes out the Shadow Broker, but she has to basically buy a mercenary army to do it, and the the she has less Shadow Broker contacts in three. Well, there you go. So it's worth your time. Uh, and if you well, don't do it in, if you don't do arrival, they send in a marine like a bunch of special ops teams to basically do what you do and they all get slaughtered <laughs> so yeah like it's but that's one of the beauties of three yeah. is that everything you do yeah i mean yeah. i've heard like if you don't if somehow morton died which is actually one of the most li- likely characters to die in the end of two you kind of get a not morton to show up in the important scenes with morton's in and joker even calls him not morton <laughs> right before i hear guys actually like his own character his own personality mm-hmm. and that he does the same thing morton does but for different reasons it, like, like it he's almost, a much more like yeah. spiritual like, almost like buddhist yeah it might so, almost yeah. be worth seeing it <laughs> so yeah well and other stuff like for example Anchachanka, right with the mm-hmm. more than right yeah. stuff like if you don't have rex you get reeve as the as the guy mm-hmm. and he's way more bloodthirsty than rex is and it makes it much more likely that maybe you don't want them to have the genophage yeah. cured you know well, yeah like, honestly 99 percent of fixing the krogan genophage is i'm like well rex is a pretty cool dude he seems to be leading the Krogans in the right direction. I feel okay with this choice. <laughs> Did you know you yeah. could save Morden and not get yeah. him killed? Yes, but it, it, but it, it, the yeah. crux is having Rex dead. And Rex dead and Eve has to die. They both yeah. have to die. Wow. Basically, if the leadership of the Krogan is so horrible, he'll be like, alright, I won't But on the other hand, boy, it, I don't know, I kind of really like Morden's death scene. Like, I mean, it's sad Morden's dead, but I think he went out exactly the way he wanted to. Like, he goes out like a champ. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think he had the best, like, I, I really think Jachanka is, is by far, like, the, the, the star of the Mass Effect show. Yeah. Like, I, 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 after that, I honestly had to, like, stop it. I had to stop playing for a minute or two after that. Like, I had to stop and think about what just happened. <laughs> I really think Jachanka is so varied and so nuanced that even compared to everything else kind of pales. I mean, that actually, that's Chanka like, stuff. you know, this game, so many times, well, that part, but so many times this game, it really got a emotional response out of me. I was more, I was actually almost kind of role-playing. I was like, well, what should I, what would Shepard do? What would my Shepard do here? It's like, how does this make me feel? Mm. And, oh, speaking of horrible, sad things, do you realize that you actually know, before you know who she is, what happened to Joker's sister? Yeah, that's what I was referring to. Yeah, I was was curious if that was the line you were referring to. Yeah, okay. I may have Um, missed this. In the the medical wards. Mm Mm-hmm. 
for mm-hmm. the hospital. There is that um, post-traumatic stress disorder, Masari. Uh-huh. And she, the things they referred to killing everybody in is, jo- is Joker's colony. And one of the people she's directly referred to as killing, having to kill, is his sister. Wow. <laughs> Like, and you'd only know this if you talk to Joker in two and learn his backstory. Uh, He does mention when Liara is looking for survivors, he does also mention his sister and what kind of she was on. Yeah, and it's, and it's, and they mentioned the that the place she was, the, the, ugh, that is the place the Asari is on and includes like the description of his sister. Wow, I I kind of, I must have missed that one. (laughs) It's so easy to miss. Yeah. Yeah, but it's there. Wow. This game is just full of so much stuff. like, that's, like I said, you know, the ending notwithstanding, this game does so much right. Just so much right. The part I mentioned about Conrad Werner, yeah. if you meet him in three, he won. If you got the bug in two, there was a bug in two in some of the versions that if it didn't matter if you talked down his crazy with Paragon or Renegade, the game always acted like you did the Renegade choices with him. So if you Paragoned him in one and then he accused you of being like basically threatening him in two and three if you got that bug he basically is like man I'm sorry for you for you know claiming that you threatened me with <laughs> gun on the citadel I was just in a weird place at that time <laughs> when you met me on Omega well, yeah it's they, they put so much thought into three it's insane and it kind of is weird they put so much thought into this and then we get the ending that we get yeah because it's weird Weird. At first, the because the the ending was kind of spoiled before the game came out because somebody got a leaked version of the Russian version, and you know there is a reason that Russia and China always have their own DVD and Blu-ray sections, and it's because they're kind of known as the bootlegger countries. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Plus, you and your cheap, ill-gotten videos. <laughs> And so a lot of people were like, this is the ending? And But a lot of people were like, well, we don't know. I mean, that is a leaked copy. And then yeah. when the actual endings were seen... Yep, there was there was a storm of fecal matter. Oh yeah, hitting hitting all the fans. There was a yes, a shit storm of epic proportions. Like man, like, I don't think I've ever seen a video game ending get this this much yeah. uh, vitriol. I mean, I guess in a way that just shows how many people had so much invested in the series. Like we, there's a lot of people who cared a lot about how this series ends. It, it does, and I and I think I really do think that you know, because by the way, pretty immediate, pretty immediately as far as these things go was like yeah we were, we're prepping DLC that's going to explain and, and clarify this some and it really reminded me of when Ava came out we had the end of the TV series right yeah. where they realized when they were making that ending to the TV series that people were not going to be happy and they started working on OAVs to compensate for that and then after the shitstorm that hit for Ava they're like alright fine we want, we're doing movies now we're taking these OAVs and we're turning them into movies and then we got into Ava and, and I think I like the TV ending better but <laughs> but I think when they were like, they suddenly jumped on like, yeah, we're working on DLC to, it may not completely change it, but we're going to definitely clarify some things and add more content to the ending. And yeah, final result still pending my opinion, but I am kind of, they, they seem to realize that fan 
fans were agitated and that they should address this immediately. <laughs> I, I think they realized when they were making that ending, like, I really think that the ending they put on there was problems of a rushed ending of the development cycle. Yeah, it looks like something that if they had another two months, they could have done the ending they wanted, but they needed something out the door. Where the conduit turns the Reapers into ice cream. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I am kind of sad. We you a, sh- a cake, Shepard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Rex is romanceable by male shepherds. That's... <laughs> I, I, I do... I really kind of wish we did get the dark energy ending, you know, but I have a feel, also feeling that also happened probably because the, the script, quote-unquote, got leaked mm-hmm. to the game, like, you know, half a year ago. And so, like, all right, well, let's do something else now that they've seen the ending. And I also think that's the only reason why I think it was, I felt it was rushed. I feel the ending is, in fact, rushed, at least right up until, I think, once you get to Catalyst Kid. Yeah. I think up until that point, I think is more or less what they were planning on. And, and maybe they were planning on the Catalyst Kid all along. I mean, you do get the kid here and there throughout Shepard's viewings of stuff. Unless that's Shepard's Reaper indoctrination talking. Oh, shut up with the freaking <laughs> Reaper indoctrination talking. Well, someone had to bring up a theory. <laughs> it's true. And I really, I, I watched the, there was a dude who made a video for it. Mm. And he makes up a good point, but I really think it shows us how fast they had to push that ending through, not how much thought they put into this whole indoctrination theory in general. I, I think, yeah, I really, the example I always give when discussing with other people is I think that there are a lot of conspiracy theories that invoke the new coke scandal do you do you know what this is a little bit but tell the viewers at home all right back i don't remember when but a while back they decided to unveil the new formula of coke and like coke the coca-cola classic that everybody knew they were retiring and they were going to make new coke and it was supposed to be better and it was you know it would be what helped them defeat pepsi once and for all and people hated new coke they just thought it was swell and they demanded that you know Coke Classic come back and they finally they brought back the the old Coke formula and they called it Coke Classic and sales of Coca-Cola shot through the roof which started all these conspiracy theories that oh the only reason they introduced new Coke was for us to hate it so they could bring back (laughs) old Coke and the famous line is from one of the like top Coke executives is nobody at Coke was stupid enough to make new Coke to get the negative reactions and the loss of sales that we did, and no one is brilliant enough to have foreseen the upswing that we'd get back from bringing the new ending. And I kind of feel that is the way I feel about a lot of the conspiracy theories. That that I don't think that it was like this brilliant idea to give us an ending we hated so much that we'd have to buy the good endings. No, no, I I really feel that it was a case of when they were making it right, okay guys, we're going to get some backlash on this. We're not going to have time to really make this ending the way we want to make this ending. So let's set some of this aside. Let's get the bulk of it, what we can get done, done. And let's start prepping DLC to help deal with it. Because we know that people are not going to like it. I don't think they thought people were going to hate it as much as they did. Mm-hmm. But I think they knew they were going to get some backlash. And I think they were trying to get ready for it. And now they're really trying to get ready for it. Although the neat thing about 
what uh, new coke is that formula used for new coke is more or less the formula for diet coke as we know it <laughs> it's that you know because the it was actually tested really well new coke tested incredibly well um in, in opposition to classic coke and so that's why they were so gung-ho about pushing it and then afterwards they're like oh snap what we'll do this formula it tested so well they snuck it into diet coke and everyone started going like oh man diet coke's not so good what's going on and it's new coke those clever bastards it's just what new coke is is now with aspartame it's called diet coke yes and that's when we're going to get diet mass effect reaper indoctrination <laughs> it'll be a whole other game <laughs> I, i'm curious what do you guys think of the backlash on both sides that i feel there was a gamer backlash of people being like this ending sucks and you have ruined the franchise and i will hunt down your family if you don't give me a new ending and then all the game community the professional game writers being like since bioware is giving them a new ending they have destroyed the credibility of video games first off this isn't the first time this has happened no i mean for example tales of graces kevin just talked about it how they for the ps3 version they added a whole brand new epilogue yeah, there's a whole which well, helped explain the ending i haven't more. gotten there yet but yes there is at least what i got off wikipedia is there is a playable epilogue section that's a good another 10 to 17 hours of gameplay look at persona 3 fez yeah that's good 20 something odd hours of gameplay hard as balls gameplay i might add or even stuff like fallout 3 yeah where they, got... where they changed any dlc or even portal where they decided to change any to portal to set up portal 2 yeah or i think the classic example which i thought was very clever was somebody was like everybody in the games community makes it seem like oh well this is gonna make us look bad because other forms of entertainment don't do this but the classic example as a man from a detective anime blog is sherlock holmes people, it's true people hated 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 that conan doyle hated sherlock holmes as they began to write him and killed him off so he wouldn't have to write him anymore and people wrote in all kinds of nasty letters demanding that they bring back sherlock holmes at a hefty enough paycheck and possibly not wanting to be stabbed on the street of london decided that he would retcon the ending of rickenbach falls and bring back sherlock holmes yep and now they're, they're going to do it all over again with the new sherlock bbc series <laughs> where in season two they do the same thing well guess what we're getting to season three yeah oh my mom loves that show but uh oh, it's good it's awesome uh like i like it my mom loves it <laughs> like, and i uh, love it as well but okay okay let's say you have seen the new sherlock right yeah. okay I, I figured but and we're getting both of them in the hobbit <laughs> interesting anyways but mass effect yeah i i really think that the backlash well the backlash started with the commu- with with the people being pissed off at the ending and the fact that they're demanding bioware change it that they must change it they have the right to demand that they change it i feel that's a little over the line that is that, that, that you're stepping into a little too much entitlement yeah that's that's like saying you demand that fan subs should be around because that's how you're used to getting anime yeah. that's that's not a good argument to have or i demand harry potter get together with hermione at the end because that's i'm a harry hermione shipper and i'm not but hypothetically <laughs> you know it's like that's there's an extent of taking the gamer 
gamers, you want to take the gamers' feelings into consideration because, well, they buy your game. But you can't, they can't really dictate your story. Like, you, you as, as a writer or the writers, I mean, you're got to tell your story. I mean, you want to make one you hope the fans will like, but you still got to have a certain amount of creative control. And I see the critics saying, like, well, if they change it, they're just selling out. How dare they? But on that, on the other hand, if Bioware wants to sell out and make people happy with them, they are a company yeah. that, you know, they, well, they're selling entertainment. Yeah. They are selling entertainment that wants to make a profit. I mean, yes. And I, keep making games. There is the counterpoint of, they're like, oh, they didn't like our ending. Well, that makes us sad. And what can we do to fix this and keep your loyalty and maybe make some money off of it? You know, and I do feel that, you know, the critics backlash against the community's backlash. I, I mean, it's one of those things where I think the whiplash was so bad that the critics felt that like, they had to whiplash just as back, strong back, try and counterbalance it. And all it really does is leaves a whole lot of negative feelings in the air. Yeah, because I... Like, at first, I was kind of pissed how everyone was so mad. And, like, I felt like they were overreacting. Like, it's a right to say, I did not like that ending. And if you do something for me, that would be helpful, you know, and it's a good sign of goodwill. But I feel for every person who was rational about it, there was another person who was just screaming vitriol. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people who it seemed like that ending just ruined the game for them forever. The whole franchise. Just that ending ruined it for them forever, and they were going to tell the world about it. <laughs> Get the whole, you know, different jelly bean flavors, whether you take the red pill, the blue pill, the green pill, which I wasn't first, I didn't understand quite the green pill part first with the synthesis ending. I'm like, this this beam of white is clearly blue that I'm walking towards. I don't see what's green about it at all. Oh, it's getting greener. Oh, well, that's, that's getting greener. That's, that's pretty green. Yeah, I, I kind of actually lean towards the synthesis ending of the three available, but... <laughs> but I just went for control because I could not kill off EDN the gas. Well, see, yeah, that was my problem. I'm like, well, I don't want Edie and the guests to die. They're like the most awesome. <laughs> I love, I love the guests. I love Edie. <laughs> well, well, I like to describe it. Well, control is its own little thing, but you know, you you get the destroy ending, which is Grand Logan. <laughs> it, it is when you get right down to it. Yeah. The person who ever said it was right. The Reapers and the Anti Spirals more or less serve the exact same purpose. Yeah. And that really, when you're choosing destroy, you're destroying everything that has a Reaper base to it, whether it be Edie, who is based off Reaper code, you know, the Geth, which has at some point been infected with Reaper code whether they kept it or not, and Shepard, who got probably some bit of at least Reaperness in her, whether she likes it or not, probably due to Project Lazarus. Yeah. And so, of course, they're all going to die, which is very analogous to the end of Gurren Logan. Yet, ironically, that's the only ending that ever implies Shepard might live if you got enough war power points. Well, it's true. <laughs> uh, Shepard can live through that if you have enough points, and you choose it. You choose, like, like the right options. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Control, which is Control. And then you have Synthesis, which is Madoka Magica slash Ray Earth. Yeah. Where the thing is with both of those series is we present the system. Now you discover the system's really screwed up and the answer is to completely change the system. And that is more or less what the Synthesis is trying to do. How well it succeeds at doing it is debatable. But what it's trying to do is completely rewrite the rules on how everything is supposed to work. So wait, and... does that make Garrus your Homora-chan? Yes. <laughs> 
It's his favorite Spider-Man Citadel. <laughs> wait, oh wait, which by the way, did you let him take the sh- let him win the shot? Oh, I definitely, I let yeah. him have it. Okay, why not? You know, I mean, it's it leads to the best line in the game. Yes, yeah, it does. I love Garrus, and I like if you haven't hooked up with Garrus or Tally, they kind of hook up off. Like if you walk in, you can walk in on them. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But but yeah, like that's that that's pretty much endings in a nutshell. Um, and I chose Madoka Magic at the ending. Yeah, I kind of led toward. I like I like the idea of synthesis. It seemed to play towards the peacemaker kind of role I tended to play in this game. So. I just I felt like it was taking too much control away from the races. Like I was I forcing them to be synthetic, have synthetics. So I went with control because I felt like elusive Manny as it was. At least I wasn't throwing whole races on the pyre, especially since the quarry is so screwed over the gas as we learn. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> And who knows what actually happens if you choose synthesis, how much that really goes. I mean, now that said, you know, there are just conversations you can have with Edie and stuff that does preclude the fact that there's so much energy that they're more or less saying this can do insane things that aren't supposed to be possible. Yeah. And so space magic is not out of the equation. So I felt like they did set up enough that I could tolerate it because it is a little more space magic-y than science of mass effect <laughs> synthesis so a little more space magic than the other two yeah and i don't know and generally mass effect was kind of like firm so semi-hard sci-fi most of the way through and that was a little space opera all of a sudden like not even well no space operas can be pretty hard science but uh, like difference between star wars and honor harrington <laughs> yeah the only thing that is like space magic is element zero but it is essentially the dilithium crystal of the universe it's your necessary cat to make the universe work. Yeah, like, Ezo is one of those things where, like, and I feel that they, they handle Ezo so well. Yeah, that... I mean, it's the Minofsky particles of Mass Effect. It's mm. what makes the science work, and the, and it, they're very consistent with it. And admittedly, it's also a case where I lost my train of thought. Yes, Minofsky particles, element Minofsky zero. Particles, element zero. It's a case where everyone forgot to wear pants to the office that day. Yes, <laughs> yes. It was especially embarrassing for Rex. It was. Because all of them balls were just hanging out. Yeah, I told us what I was <laughs> I probably didn't help. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I'll say something insightful. But I felt like as much as I want, a, you know, kind of a new ending or at least a more detailed ending, I think that, uh, as I mentioned before we started the podcast, what people want, because a lot of people are throwing around, oh, I think you want just a happy ending. I think that Penny Arcade strip pretty much summed it up. The Reapers turn into ice cream and you become the coolest dude and everyone makes you a birthday cake. Here's your segue, Mr. Emperor of the Galaxy. <laughs> yes, that's how Star Wars actually started. <laughs> And everybody else was like, ah, oh, this is what you want. And I think what people want was a Chrono Trigger ending. Or everybody, the other accusation I hear is people want an American Graffiti ending. Like, here they are now. or Yeah. This is what, yeah. And then Garrus went on to become a DJ. <laughs> Grunt was shot by his men in Vietnam. <laughs> what was it? Who like someone? Someone did a fake one of these. Oh, there are a bunch of them actually. Oh, really? Like, yeah, the, 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 someone's actually done this a few times, and it's like you know, Zaid died in Vietnam, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, but I think what people really want is a Chrono Trigger ending, and uh, I assume that both of you are cool dudes with souls and have played Chrono Trigger. Oh yeah, yes, on more than one system. But for those who aren't cool dudes, explain what you mean. <laughs> uh, uh, but what I mean is everybody. 
when I was a kid and played Chrono Trigger the first time, everybody was like, there are so many endings of Chrono Trigger. Like, all the little decisions you make, they can make tons of different endings. But if you look back on it, other than, like, the crazy, wacky endings, like, where you get to the developer's room, or yeah. where, like, everybody is a lizard man. Mostly involving killing Lavos at times you're not supposed to be able to kill Lavos. <laughs> um, most of the time, the various endings you get are pretty much the same ending. They just change a lot of little things. Like, is Frog a human or not? Is Magus there? Is the inventor girl's mom in the ending? Did you ever bring Chrono back to life? Because you don't really have to. <laughs> it's true. You're right. And you're right. A lot of that little stuff that is not there in the ending. And I think my, possibly it might feel we- even weirder with that ending because so much of the game up until that point hit, hits so many home runs on how well they incorporate everything. And it does kind of feel like, oh, especially like with the Krogans and the Genophage as a good example, that they're like saying, your choice here will have radical repercussions on the universe. So yeah, and think I think about it. Think wisely. And I just feel like everybody wanted, you could have those similar endings, but everybody wanted a little nod that just changed a little bit of the ending that proved that your decisions made a difference. And I think that if they had given that, which once again probably would have required about two months more development time, I think about 60% of the complaining would be gone. I mean, hypothetically, hypothetically, Shepard dies, show your love interest if you had one grieving, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. And I would like a little bit explanation on how your crew members and Joker are on their ship and running away. True, because... That was the one time the ending where I was very confused. Because last I saw, some of those people were possibly dead or wounded on the surface of Earth. <laughs> like, who also got hit by the Harbinger beam. And that is Harbinger. Like, he is the one who blasts you in the end before you fight yes. the final boss, Marauder Shields. Oh, Marauder Shields. You tried to save us from the ending. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, but you're right. Like, for me, I took Javik and Liara with me. Liara was my love interest and Javik was my bro. And you didn't see them when I was running, but I assumed they were with me. Yeah, I had a lot of Liara yeah. and Tally, but, you know, same difference. And I had but, Edie and uh, Liara. Yeah, I, I tend to sh- I tended to trade around with basically the girls. Um, <laughs> Edie was interesting, yeah. I, I felt, as a, as a character choice. Yes. It made sense how they did it. I loved her, how 60s her hair looked. Oh, yeah, she was very, like, Soriyama sexy robot design. It was great. <laughs> so, neither of you had a problem with Edie getting a robot body, because she is, like, one of the oddly most controversial. Like, people either didn't care or liked it or they hated 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 the Joker Edie romance. I thought it was very appropriate and it seemed logical out of the end of Mass Effect 2. Same. Yeah. Like it was obviously those two had formed a very unique connection that if given the opportunity I think they both would would take it to a, a next level and that, the writers yeah. were like alright let's do this. That basically Edie gets a perfectly good artificial body dropped in her lap. I don't see why she wouldn't have done exactly what she did. Because I I feel a lot of people feel like, why you gotta put in your real doll fantasy fiction in my Mass Effect game? Well, oh, dog, this ain't no chobbits. Yeah, I mean, she's, well, for lack, other than lack of a body, Edie is an artist. She's a person. She's a character. She has an intelligence. And then they gave her a body. You know? It's, I, I feel much more, a concert that has much more, makes much more sense is the whole Tally's picture, <laughs> where they purchased a stock photo in order to, to edit to create the, the, the tally person and and you know in the flesh as it were. I I, and, I just feel like it was another rush 
thing because it seemed like they were really conflicted either whether to put her picture in in the end or not like should they ever do it or should it basically be Gorm's wife on Cheers well, it, well I, I really think that it, was, it was honestly a case of like because they, they they knew that so many people were so into what she looked like what could it possibly be you know does she look like a giraffe does she look like a zebra does she look like Rex does she look like a robot what what does she look like and I think they were like you know what guys fuck it no matter what we do they're gonna be pissed off so you know what that sock photo looks good let's go with it it's done over so I made a decision there it is I just I, be tally. we're good I feel like they ran out of time but they decided people want something so we're just gonna put that there because that is all the time we have I feel yeah, like exactly. I think, another sign of them being rushed like yeah and I, and I, but I really do think that I think one of them was like you know what screw it you know what I'm gonna make an executive decision that's tally we're gonna get backlash no matter what we do there there be there's no picture of tally ever ever that would make people happy none i don't care if it's from scratch or not also that final scene with the two planets and stuff that kind of scene is so freaking popular in space art that you know and i feel that one's a little more it's way more if you look at it okay there's two planets in the background and there's some trees and it's snowing oh yeah. my god how often have you seen something like that you know you're right there are there are scenes that look just like it but guess what i bet you can find a whole lot of pictures just like it i think that one was much more of a happenstance maybe more inspiration mm-hmm. than that pure like it's obviously that stock photo was the stock photo they used but it wasn't so obvious that except for like the planets have the same distance between the, each of each, each other and the stock photo they usually show but all the trees are completely different in the stock photo compared to the uh, what they ended up using like it was obviously a brand new picture they might have taken influence from it but wasn't it wasn't like copy and paste with some photoshop edits more importantly, the dude, the grandpa was talking, it's Buzz Aldrin, telling us to go to the stars, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, there isn't. Like, as soon as I found out that was Buzz Aldrin, like, all my complaints in the cleans I do have for the ending went away. Wait, wait they ended the game with Buzz Aldrin. That's oh. badass. That's how they ended it. Oh, crap. That's amazing. But I think we can all agree that nobody liked the story of the most important kid in the galaxy. Yeah, that was... That's the problem whenever you try to put a kid into anything. Like, you know, unless you get, like, the best kid actor ever, which only ever happened in The Sixth Sense and then Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> like, you know... Well, secondhand lions, but same guy, so... Um. <laughs> like, and the kid's not a kid anymore. Yeah. You gotta find a kid of that caliber to pull a part like that. They didn't have it. You know, it's just not gonna work. Like, I would have much rather them use your other... their other human. I think that if they use, like, whether it's Ashley or Caden as the other person that, that Shepard would see... Yeah, I actually thought that would that would work pretty well i think that would have i think people have been much more okay with that yeah if they had used the vermeer sacrifice they would have yeah one of them is definitely dead so you know there's no there in fact is every reason why that should haunt you but now it is interesting apparently i did like the fact that they used both the shepherd's voices and for the background voices for the kid yeah uh, when he talked was actually it's also well he's talking both jennifer hale and mark mir are talking the same lines with him and that was a neat effect which is one of those things I didn't realize it when they met until I saw it in the indoctrination video. I went, oh, that's actually a neat idea. Mm-hmm. Whereas other times I went, okay, no, that's obviously because they were running out of time and they needed, they, they couldn't make brand new assets. Like when they mentioned how the era final areas was very reminiscent to like of the collector ship or something else and some other things. When but then again, everything the catalyst is more or less OG Reaper Tech. Yeah. And so is the um freaking yeah, Citadel. Yeah. I I don't know. There were some stuff like some of the Reaper sound effects occurring like when you first see the kid and that you suddenly have unlimited ammo actually made me go, yeah, you know you do. 
like at the end, I mean, when you're kind of and everything's in slow motion and you've just got your pistol, but you have unlimited ammo, you don't have to reload. Uh, well, I really think that a lot of that is that is that is just that. I think they're just going cinematic with it. They're just going cinematic, and this is our ending that we've created. And I'm like, well, you know, actually, that for whatever reason, that particular thing did resonate with me because ammo is always such a pain in the ass in the two and three. But what is even better is that they had to make an overheat thing mechanic to it again mm. out of nowhere just for the ending. Just for the ending. Just to screw with people. <laughs> I think I would have liked that. Um, at that to the DLC about where you have my permission. Yes. Um, but I really do think what the DLC will end up being is I think very similar to the Chrono Trigger ending that Alan mentioned. I think it's going to do a lot more explaining what happened and what happened afterwards. I think we're gonna, they're going to give us a little bit more context, which I think is what the ending as it is really could use. Do you think that just because it became so popular that they might incorporate the indoctrination theory or no, that is just too... I could see them doing it. Um, and if they incorporate it correctly, that'd be kind of interesting. Because my theory of how you could do it would be interesting is since we're totally in spoiler territory, you know how uh, Miranda's father was working on indoctrination yeah. They mentioned that Anime Space Ninja stole a bunch of his research. You could, if you wanted to do the indoctrination ending being true, have a side mission that before you go to the to Cerberus base, you can track down that information and basically find a way to make yourself immune to indoctrination. And thereby, basically, if you do that mission, you can basically trigger the new endings. Because now, like, if Harbin tries to indoctrinate you in that last point, you'll then be immune. And thereby, they can do new endings. If they wanted to do that. That is how I would have done it. I would also accept that if they decide to, you know, eventually at the kid, you know, Shepard realizes that, no, this doesn't seem right. And she pulls out this drill that was attached to her neck <laughs> and then twists it into the, into the catalyst kit and he dissipates. And then she jumps into her giant robot. <laughs> and then she and then the robot's actually like as tall as a reaper. And then she proceeds to single-handedly punch every reaper into oblivion. Then you find out that the, the the citadel is actually a giant robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they both put on shades. Yeah. Now here's an, here's here's an idea. Oh, that's another thing. The Matrix, the video reloaded the video game, had, had a brand new ending where they had pretty much gigantic Neo and gigantic Agent Smith. Uh, you, you were Neo fighting a gigantic Agent Smith who took Coca-Cola, like the glasses from like a billboard and put them on himself. And so that was the ending was fighting a, a gigantic yeah. crazy Agent Smith. That was basically and, just based on the idea that Wachowski brothers saw at the ending of the movie would not make a good ending to a video game. And <laughs> then, you know, it plays with everyone cheery and Neo's happy while they're while we are the champions are playing in the background. <laughs> and that was the ending to the Matrix uh, video games, which, you know, and that's what they, they kind of called it, you know? Yeah. The ending we get is much more almost traditional sci-fi, much more somber. Not quite like, yeah, you beat it. Everyone's yeah, happy. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't have a, a winner as you. Uh, yeah. You know, whereas they realized that they had to do that kind of ending because it was a video or game. alternately, Bioware, do it like the, the Clue DVD version of the movie where it suddenly pops up. That's how it could have happened. <laughs> and then let you play another, like give you four or five different endings, including the giant robot ending. Or it could, or, yeah, or it could be like, you know, or like Prince of Persia where maybe they cut to this other scene that's on like this, you know, on the Citadel later on or, or on the planet or something mm. where they're all having drinks and they go, that's not actually how it happened. <laughs> and I, I think that was a talking time thing again because I steal mm-hmm. everything from them sometimes. Um, but yeah, I think there's that there's really what ways. happened to Commander Shepard, Grandpa Buzz Aldrin. Nah, I'm pulling your leg, you little shit. This is how it ended. <laughs> 
I am curious if the people's speculation that one of the DLC will be the retaking of Omega. That would be kind of cool. That because would be kind of neat. They did, uh, well, at least you could. I'd like to see more of Arya, but... Well, the whole the whole her losing Omega is a comic book mm. that, that they're doing. Um, if, in fact, if you've got the collection's issue, you should have gotten the first mini-issue of that, um, where it's more or less, it's... Yeah, I didn't read that, um, but I, I guess well, the I the basic have is, the basic of it, because we're supposed to have inventories anyways, is that the uh, comic tells you is that out of nowhere, this um, Cerberus sends a bunch of these ships that are full of husks, and and they're then they're doing crazy Reaper things. And Arya's like, "What the hell?" And this new team comes in to clear them out from Cerberus. She's like, "What are you doing here? What what's happening?" And Lusa Man's like, "Look, we kind of screwed up, but we're going to clean it up. Don't worry about it. We'll need your help though." And then secretly, and I think it might even have been Kyle Ling or somebody else was like, "Haha, they don't realize our true purpose," which apparently was Cerberus is taking over Omega. But I would be yeah. kind of it would be kind of neat to go back and take Omega back. I think that would be neat. You know, I don't know. Anyone else feel that maybe Kai Ling would have been better if he had shown up in Mass Effect 2 somewhere? But like, he was, was better as an antagonist? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, well, he's a novel character. Yeah, I, I eventually found that out. But I just thought, they were kind of setting him up. It, it seemed like they're trying to set him up as the anti-Shepard. Yeah, no. I just never really felt like he was... I didn't... Well, okay. I, near the end of the game, I kind of had a personal interest in killing him. But like, he just didn't seem like he was... like he, I, Either that or he should have been fucking with your plans through more of the game. Like, yeah. He really came out of left field for me. Mm-hmm. Like I literally thought, who's this dude, and why is he not in the Matrix? Either he should have been in two and set up a little, like kind of telegraphed a bit more, or he should have been there all the time in three. Like anytime you ran across there, best he should have been there, and he somehow would have made your life more difficult. And apparently, supposedly, supposedly, uh, originally during the scene on the Asari homeworld, mm-hmm. it was originally going to be a thing where you ha- it was going to be another Vimir situation where one if the crew members you take with you was going to die and that like you could save one of them but whatever one you could save he was going to kill the other one and it was supposed to establish him as a much more menacing foe instead of a complete joke that he turned into being and I wonder if that's what they're trying to do was but I think it would just make people hate him more because it's like oh not only is this you know lame space ninja you know all over the place but now he killed one of my team members well and, and I think you know and he screws up so much <laughs> like, you know, Thane, Thane says it great where he's like, I can't believe that this guy thinks he's so badass and I'm barely breathing and I beat him. You got taken down by a crippled old man or something, you know. Terminally like, ill drill. That's what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. terminally ill drill. And it's like, yeah, I mean, okay, he did kind of, like, I didn't actually kind of, I didn't, well, I really didn't like Thane's death until I got to kill Kyle. Like. <laughs> and and uh, he seems like, it was like, it almost also feels like like they were playing, like someone in, in Mass Effect team was playing Metal Gear Solid. It's like, oh, we need a ninja. We need a ninja. We need a ninja. Don't have to be Chinese. <laughs> like, also, it's kind of weird that he's, well, in retrospect, in this game at least, a lot of service members now also use swords as their melee weapons. Yeah, that's true. But he's like the only dude who uses a sword as a primary weapon in the entire universe, seer, universe yeah. of Mass Effect. Like, he's the only dude with a sword. And that feel is, in fact, really weird. Like, I didn't notice until a co-worker mentioned, Sam mentioned it to me. It's like, dude, he's the only person with a sword. Why is he the only person with a sword? There's been, like, more enemies throughout the games that use swords. Well, he is basically kind of a really buff uh, whatever the phantoms or the, yeah, the like, well you know, the other Cerebus guys with swords he's basically a really buff version of one of those but but it, it really did feel like this dude with the sword just kind of really came out of left field and but he was... when he shows up is when there tends to be a lot of the phantoms so yeah. I guess they're his guys but uh, girls whatever they are um, oh because <laughs> I was listening to Vast Karate do you know what happens if Thane is dead in that scene where you're trying to save the Salarian counselor yeah it's a major Kirei yes I thought that was oh, interesting 
choice. Like, honestly, I wanted him as a crew member originally. <laughs> I kind of still do. Like, I wanted him as a crew member. Also, like, if you choose the Solarians over the Krogans in the, um, in that, uh, for Chachanka, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Rex is dead and stuff, it'll be, um, Kirhei, if he still lives, he'll be, like, le- he'll be, like, cheering on Solarian troops in that scene mm-hmm. where Rex is cheering on Solarian, tr- uh, Krogan troops. Oh, okay. That's cool. Well, like, they thought of that, I guess, you know. Again, they thought of a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Also, until that last minute. I also find it funny that you can fight so many old teammates in that Cerberus base if you are a bad shepherd. Yeah, like if you have Morneth, mm-hmm. she's a banshee. Oh, interesting. If, if you, you didn't save... say Jack, mm-hmm. she's she's a, she's she's also a, she'll be one of the um, phantoms. Phantoms. And if you sell I... Legion to Cerberus, he is also you can fight him there. Like he's like a super Geth Prime. Interesting. <laughs> like yeah, like. Or in fact, that stuff in Chuchanka where, like, if you don't, if you if you betray Morden, you have to like kill Morden to keep your bid with the Solarians. Ooh. And and if Rex is still around, he realizes it, and you have to kill him too. <laughs> wow, you could go through and murder most of your friends in three if you play your cards right. <laughs> like, so in some cases, like when you're a renegade, you're really freaking renegade. Yeah. Like you know, and it, you can it's... kill the Vermeer survivor. Yeah, that's just dang cool. Although I totally killed Adina. Um, that was fun. <laughs> I, I I let Caden take the shot. Well, I had Ashley, but in mind. But yeah, I, I I honestly I've been waiting for Adina to give me an excuse to kill him. So <laughs> I never liked Adina. Well, I had the game point. I like nobody did. Yeah, like I mean, okay. Well. It was it was either Keith David played character or Udina, and so who is everybody going to side with? Really seriously? Yeah, really. And Udina's a dick. I mean, even if you know even one even when presumably he wasn't under indoctrination he was still a dick <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know if he was, he was ever indoctrinated I think he was just wanting money possibly like I think he was just a tool like I, I think the only people who were truly indoctrinated were, was, was was the elusive man you know magic space ninja <laughs> and you know the rest of the service but I don't think Udino was ever indoctrinated I think he was just an ass yeah. and uh, how about that Blasto the Hanar Spectre radio drama action yeah <laughs> that was pretty awesome I had to listen uh, to that whole thing. Yes. Badassily. Badassily. <laughs> I would watch that movie. Why aren't they animating that instead of Vegas Story? <laughs> I, I would I would play a DLC if I got to play a Hanar. Yes. I'm just saying. I also, I also want to play a mini mission that's more or less a Star Fox mission where you're playing the Volus spaceship. <laughs> that's just the Volus, you know, the, the, the Volus crew where they, they, they bought one ship and then piled it with tons and tons of guns on it <laughs> yes. and called it their fleet. <laughs> I would love to play a mission where you're just getting to play that as sort of like a Star Fox thing. Yes. Like, fly and beat up, beat up some Reapers. I know you got the engine Bioware. It's in the freaking Old Republic. <laughs> it's one of the coolest things. We can play Star Fox with Star Wars. Yes. Just throw that in with some Mass Effect stuff. Just give it to me. I'll pay you five bucks. Oh, do you think <laughs> sure that... you can make it five bucks. Do you think that any of that rumors about the DLC patch for the uh, for the multiplayer with those classes, do you think that is real? Um, I haven't heard of this, so enlighten me. Uh, apparently, they were supposedly possibly leaked pictures that that one of the first DLC for multiplayer will be a bunch of new classes, which is Batarian Soldier and Sentinel, Geth Infiltrator and Engineer, and Asari Justicar and Krogan, Krogan Battlemaster. I, I'd, I'd buy it. I'd try those out. Yeah. That would sound like fun. I don't know if they're real or not, but I'd do it. I'd hop on that. Yeah. Why not? But yeah, I don't know. I, I think if they play their cards right and... Uh, 
I think with the multiplayer, they did a really good job with it. Unfortunately, I think the way that they did their unlocks, while deviously from money making, is just so devious that it's going to make the multiplayer overall not catch on. Like, I really think they played their cards right. This could be the new zombies mode. This could have been the new thing that people pl- they would keep playing Mass Effect for. Yeah, I wish they had a store where you could just, like, if you want to unlock Krogan Sentinel, it's 3,000 points. And they still could have sold credits to make their money. Either get the credits in the game or you can buy them with points. And it would still been... But I feel well, yeah. like the, the CCG pack is just argh, aggravating. Well, I think they could do with that. I think they could bounce it where, like, you still can buy points, right? You still buy credits if you wanted to, mm-hmm. if you so chose. But instead, like, you can have the card packs and they'd be cheap. They'd be cheap as they are, right? Right. But or you can buy that stuff, like you said, like just you just buy a piecemeal a la carte, but it costs more. That way, if you want more for cheaper, yeah. you can take the risk and do the CCG packs. Hit the grab bag crowd and they exist. And then if you want specific things and you're willing to pay more for it, whether it's credits or cash for real monies, you can do so. You have that choice. Yeah, I think if they give you that choice, I think that would work out. Yeah, because I feel like there's certain things like once again, those like decent sniper rifles and stuff. Yeah, I find myself thinking my kingdom for a better sniper rifle um and you know and they sort of do it already with like you know, with their specials that they do occasionally where it's like you just need new stuff you just need more like you know meta gel and clips and stuff okay just buy this stuff we're making this thing you buy it you spend it you're good and i think if they do a dlc pa- uh, patch that sort of overhauls that store a little bit more i think it would help them in the long run but yeah, I think they play their cards right. It could be the new horde mode multiplayer that people play. Like, they could really do it. They really wanted to, because my God, I work at a store and one can buy games. And the amount of times when people talk about Call of Duty nowadays, half the time, I'm not kidding, they're talking about zombie mode from, like, World at War and Black Ops. They're not talking about Call of Duty, but they want to play zombies. And that's just an interesting take on horde mode, and that's what Mass Effect 3 multiplayer is. They also need a catchy name. They need to rename it with a catchy name that's not that's just, isn't just called multiplayer. That you call it like, you know, N7 or something. You know, call it the N7 missions or N7 multiplayer. So someone goes, oh, yeah, I love N7. Well, or some other name that they can use or special forces or something that people can attach themselves to that's just called multiplayer. And I think it would catch people's interest more because you'll have a neat name to attach to it. I did hear talk that that was originally Mass Effect 3 was supposed to be its own animal. And then the multiplayer was supposed to be a separate game. Uh, that's probably what they did originally. Then they were like, okay, now we need to have multiplayer mode so we can legitimately sell an online pass. Because I bet that, that I bet that was an EA decision. Mm. Yeah. But okay. Um, any other thoughts before we start wrapping stuff up? No, I'm good. Oh, what do you think about the whole Javik DLC controversy? Possibly being on disc, being the Prothean. I mean, once again, your guy's favorite character from this, of the companions. I, I think it's a shame that people have to buy the best character in the game. That said, I, I really, I have no issues with it being DLC. And I think they've pretty conclusively proven that while the character himself is on the disc, his actual mission and other stuff is not on the disc. Like the download you download, it's like almost like half a gig. So I mean, there's actual content there. Right. You know, there's stuff that has to be there that obviously was not. I bet that this this character was partially done before the game went gold, but wasn't completely done. 
I'm sure that they were probably originally when they were making this dude, they had ideas for him to be in the game. I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't originally like, I bet he was like not a, I bet he could be on the ship, but he probably wasn't a full on. Yeah. Uh, probably either a, the mission is on the disc, but like all his dialogue and interaction is not or vice versa. I know for a fact that people before the, the DLC was available had Javik voice clips. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's some voice clips in there. Well, I have a feeling is I know the fact that they could change code in on the you know on in the game on the PC version, mm-hmm. and he was the character was just a, a choosable crew member. So I think a lot of it was on the disc, but I think but some of it obviously was not on the disc. But my my more or less my main point my feeling is I feel that he should not have been tied as a collector's edition character, mm. but much like Shale and or Zaid, you should have got it for buying it. You new. should have got it for buying it new, and if you bought it used, you could pay for it, and it came he came with the online pass. I personally feel that is the, the thing that they should have taken with it if they decide to do DLC. I feel that if they'd done that, there'd be less complaining overall. I'm kind of glad I got a $20 credit from Amazon that I decided, well, the collector edition of Mass Effect 2 is only $20 more, so I'll go ahead and get that. Mm. But uh, that's if, really what made me do that. Yeah, but. for me, I was already in the collector edition anyways, and so for me, it was just a bonus. That said, he is the best $10 value, you know, that a lot of games don't have. It's just he's so well interconnected into that game and honestly shale was the same way in dragon age one like shale was my favorite character in dragon age one i i took him everywhere he was my favorite character in that in that game by far he might actually be my favorite bioware character in fact if they had told me one of the upcoming dlcs that i get to play with shale as a party member it'd just be me shale and javik all the way okay bioware download dlc for mass effect 3 shale and hk 49 bonus character pack no 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 shale and blast though. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I take that back. Shale and Blasto. <laughs> give me Shale and Blasto. Or just give me a Blasto game. Yes. Make Blasto the game. It should be like heavy, it should be like Metal Slug. Yes. A 2D side scroller. Yes. Where you're on Earth through the through London, through the various stages, and it's a side scroller shoot 'em up where you're beating up gigantic um, Reapers with Blasto. And, you know, enkindle this. Yes. <laughs> Oh man, the scene with Javik and the freaking talky jellyfish guy. Oh yeah, I th- I saw that. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Well, but just Javik dealing with people on the Citadel was, yes. was great. Anyways, we're gonna take a break, then final thoughts and our final scores after this. The Reapers are destroying my planet. Alliance News Network viewers expect us to do something. Oh, we'll do something. Joker! Yes, Commander. Tell the Council we're forming a committee to come to a consensus about aliens. Aye, aye, Commander. But Earth Clan, we're gonna be late for the Battle of the Bands! Not accurate. According to my calculations, we can defeat the Reapers with rock and roll, beat Cerberus in the Battle of the Bands, kill all Reapers simultaneously. Efficient. I like that babble talk. Mass Effect, tune up! I know why they call them biotic amps. Barla! <laughs> One, two, three, four! Peace, Commander Shepard! Space crime fighting and rocking the galaxy! Garrus! Draw! Rex! Keyboard! Tally! Buckle! Watch out! Here come the Reapers! Mass Effect! So, in the end, what was your favorite spot on the Citadel? Ooh. 
Uh, my favorite spot in the Citadel was anywhere where Joker was cracking wise. I, well, my favorite spot in the Citadel, well, and it wasn't so much on the Citadel. My favorite part is where I killed Kai Link. <laughs> I punched his sword and stabbed him. <laughs> Told him it was for Thane Krios, you son of a bitch. <laughs> that was not on the Citadel, like, at all. No, it wasn't. Not so at what's all. What's your favorite spot on the Citadel? Um, I asked you a specific question. Yes, uh, it's my favorite spot on the Citadel. Mine is the club, because all some of the best interactions come from there, whether it's Vega, Jack, watching Shepard dance, yeah, or when Edie and Joker are both deciding who is bangable. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I actually kind of like uh, the, the hangar with the refugees. There's just so much going on with the people there, and it's, you know, it, it's the brings uh, it kind of brings the war into focus, and kind of a for sentimental and heart-wrenching, as opposed to comedic thing. <laughs> it's true. And you already took the dance club, so. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's very true. And, man, what was that freaking dance on the wall <laughs> I was like, that Shepard would do? Like, it wasn't like, like, man, like. I know it's one of the computer, like one of the random dancers kind of doing something weird up against the wall, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. You're not, nobody's going to pick the place on the Citadel where you can take the shot with the, uh, with the renegade trigger. Hmm. I'm not sure if I know where that is. But... Uh, if you don't take the shot, then the Vermeer survivor does. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. If you don't take, if you don't take the shot, then the Vermeer survivor does. We're doing that. Oh. Like, and um, then you'll they'll have a discussion of whether they should have done what they did. So it's it, it, it's a neat little moment. Um, but really, the best spot of the title is the spot where you let you know Garish think he's awesome. Yes. <laughs> but oh, he Garish. is awesome. It's true. Now speaking of awesomes, all right, guys. How many of awesomes out of awesome is Mass Effect Three? You can't use multiple of three. <laughs> I can't, damn. Can't use multiple of three? No, can't use a nine. Uh, can't use 18. Right out. Yeah, it's going to make reference to three space babies. But, no, um, not 54. Okay. Nope. Uh, mm. You can't pick red, blue, or green either. Not red, blue, or green. Here, limiting us a lot. Okay, okay. Uh, all right, fine. You'll be able to do it a few weeks from now. We're going to have downloadable DLC where we'll talk about our, our color theory. How about that? <laughs> Does that, that make you feel better? Hmm, Does okay. that make you happy? One, one very dead, annoying space ninja of awesome. <laughs> Be on an inverse scale, so one is actually best. But uh, <laughs> I'm gonna give this game a 91 out of 100% galactic readiness. Okay, all right. That, that what's your what's the scale for for the fans? Are the fans of Mass Effect? Yes. I give them only one out of a quad. <laughs> Ooh. One ball to share among y'all. <laughs> in the darkness, find them. See, I was originally going to have two shards of broken sword <laughs> from the flunk out ninja. I can't do that now because you use the ninja. Believe it. <laughs> and now I can't use one spot in Citadel for Oscar because we just talked about our spots in Citadel. Mm. See, I can't use six crew members because I'm multiple three. Screwed myself on that one. Mm. But there are seven actually with the Prothean. <laughs> so I want to give all the moments out of awesome for all the little things that made Mass Effect 3 amazing. Yeah, a special bonus. Uh, two awesomes out of actually homosexual characters to romance. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But didn't, didn't those options just merely existing automatically make you homosexual for playing the game? No. What? No, no. <laughs> no. O o only homo gay people say that. Yes. I see. <laughs> or are retards or well, any of the epithets I can use that, that piss people off. 
Bioware fans think that way. Yes. As apparently that's a that's a it's a bad attempt now. Yeah. Heck, I although I still wish, you know, Rex and Male Shepherd get together. That's if I had one wish. <laughs> but even that would be more badass if yes. he had the female shepherd. Well, yeah, I well, you know, if it was female shepherd, I'd wish you could hook up with Tally. But uh <laughs> screw that Eve. Oh man. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Which 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 shepherd did you play with, Alan? Uh, I played female shepherd. Okay. So we all played female shepherd. <laughs> well, as I like to point out, she may not be canon shepherd, but she is correct. I won't lie, at my store, whenever I'm out to be to flip the uh the the cover art around, I do it. <laughs> So if I, I get as many female chefs on that wall as possible. And I guess that's one thing we haven't really talked about. We'll go through it pretty quickly, you know, because they're, they're patching it. Is the whole, did anyone have problems with the whole face thing? Uh, no. I, 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 my eyebrows came out a different color when I imported the face. Other than that, no. I, and I could just edit them those back. Yeah, mine was perfect, but I ended up choosing the default shepherd because she looked hotter. This was actually the first good default female shepherd, so, yeah. Um, like, because I also realized that it was pretty much my shepherd, only redheaded instead of blonde, and I like the redhead look, mm-hmm. so I was like, all right, well, Let's go for it. Um, I modified my shepherd each time, so I didn't really have any problem with that. Although I uh, started out with redheaded shepherd, but her name was Bazette, so when I could have the purple hair in three, I switched to that. Well, there you go. I somehow missed that there was a purple hair option. But then again, I didn't fiddle with the settings much. Was there a green hair option? Did I miss that? I don't remember. I just remember being thrilled that there was finally a purple hair option so my bezette could be fake hollow accurate. Because I might have to, like, like get some macros going on here if I get green hair and, like... Bioware, if there's not green hair, patch it in. Uh, when you're patching everything else in. Really? Give us yes. some Give us some hair and clothes. Don't, like, just throw that in there. <laughs> I wouldn't buy more casual options. I mean, I had you had several, but I would not mind more casual wear options around the ship, I'll admit. Okay, so before we go, any more DLC that obviously Bioware needs to make just for us? Other than more aliens to play as squad members, and of course, Blasto being a party member. Yeah, uh, yeah, aliens including Blasto, the separate, the sec- secondary Blasto level, the bolus level of the spaceship, the extra multiplayer, you know, characters and classes, a Chrono Trigger ending. Just to be totally funny, Final Fantasy XIII two costumes to go with the Mass Effect three costumes and Final Fantasy XIII. You right, you right. <laughs> Just to be ironic. Yes, I want to dress up my shepherd as lightning. <laughs> um, that would actually be cool, but <laughs> and and Rexus Snow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Praxis, no, complete with the Jewish Holocaust. Okay, that's more of a tally thing, I guess. <laughs> that made more sense. But that's why I wanted it on Rex, because it would make more sense on tally. Yes, there should be no sense involved. Any Final Fantasy cross-contact with Mass Effect should make no sense whatsoever. The it's less true. sense, the better. <laughs> Maybe the ending, what they're doing is it'll be a time paradox. Or, oh, oh no, yeah, see. Yeah, it's a time paradox, right, guys? And it, they go back, and they go back so far back, it turns into, it's actually 13, Final Fantasy 13-2's fault. And when you'll actually, get, 3, you'll actually get the real ending from Mass Effect 3 and the good ending deal for Final Fantasy 13 too. That's why they've got the N7 uniforms, the downloadable content. It all makes sense now. You heard it here first. <laughs> so on that note, thanks once again for, for joining us, Alan. No problem. Always a pleasure to be on. And thank you for Kevin, because you don't get a choice in this. <laughs> you just came, showed up in my work and dragged me here. You were shanghai it's true. He said I was going to talk about Mass Effect 2 and I was going to like it, or 3. And I don't know, he said there was talking involved. <laughs> and thank you for all of our wonderful listeners that are listening to this giganto epic episode of the Awesome Cast. And with that, we are out. Badassily, goodbye. <laughs>
You can't just use badass like for everything. You have to use other things, Kevin. Hey, it worked for it worked for the Blasto story. Pretty cool, like okay, you know, you you could use like get a get a thesaurus, dude. Get a thesaurus, and if you're gonna be an Elcor, you gotta work at it. You just can't just go badassly on everything. You at least like you know very like somewhat badassly, pretty goddamn badass, or roguishly. Yeah, yeah, roguishly. Yeah, yeah. What swap suavely? Hey, baby, how you do? With. Sarcastically, <laughs> I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> but seriously, we're out.